Hello, my name is Zach, and I'm a first-year medical student at the CUNY School of Medicine. Hi, my name is Amar. I'm a rising senior and econ student at Case Western. Welcome to the MSX podcast, a show about a broad range of topics in medicine, from education to exploring research and contemplating future directions for the field. In each episode, we speak with leaders in the field to learn from their insight and expertise. So in this week's episode, we are welcoming Gabriella Schmuder, a fourth-year medical student at the CUNY School of Medicine pursuing ophthalmology. First of all, we want to thank you for coming on. Our first question, we want to ask you, uh, as a fellow student in an accelerated BSMD program, how did you figure out that you wanted to pursue medicine at such an early age? Yes. So Amar and Zach, uh, hello. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm super excited to be here. I love what you're doing here. Please keep it up. Uh, Very, very excited. So yes, my name is Gabriela Schmuder, and I am in a seven-year BSMD located in New York City. Uh, It is challenging uh, to think up front in high school how you want to enter, try to basically enter medicine at such a young age. Um, It's not always clear, even after college for many people or after many years of working to enter the medical field. So it is a challenge. Uh, For me, I guess uh, throughout my life, I've seen, just always had an affinity for the medical field. Uh, My, there's various people in my family who have pursued medicine in different ways. Um, My own mom is an internal medicine physician. She actually uh, completed medical school in Russia and then came here and repeated medical school to become an internal medicine physician in America. So, you know, it's like watching that was very inspirational for me. Uh, In addition to always liking science-y type subjects throughout the years, uh, probably English and science were always my favorite. So that's how I ended up uh, kind of finalizing that I wanted to pursue medicine. Cool. And and as an aspiring ophthalmologist, why did you choose ophthalmology and why should other med students consider the field? Because it's the best. So uh, (laughs) ophthalmology is an incredible field. I really didn't discover it until medical school, of course. Uh, A lot of people sometimes have family members who are ophthalmologists and have a very early exposure to the field. Um, But when I entered my first year of medical school, I realized that um, our medical school, although phenomenal, is relatively new and there is some limited exposure to certain specialties such as ophthalmology. So when I was a first year medical student, I decided that I wanted to explore some of the more unique fields that maybe weren't conventionally seen uh, throughout medical school. For example, if you look at your own school's curriculum, you'll see oftentimes certain core rotations like internal medicine, pediatrics. These are things that you will certainly probably have uh, quite a bit of exposure to. But certain fields like ophthalmology, ENT, even dermatology, you really don't necessarily have uh, direct exposure to. So anyway, so when I was a first year, I recognized this. So I didn't know any ophthalmologists or ENTs or dermatologists. So I just started cold emailing uh, a bunch of different doctors in these fields just to shadow them, even for a few days. So I did shadow a bunch of different doctors. And one of them I shadowed was a wonderful cataract surgeon. And I went to the operating room. I saw my first cataract surgery and man, that was it. I was totally hooked. I have never seen anything quite like it. It's incredible surgery. Uh, on this extremely small and delicate part of the uh, human body. And from that point on, I kind of was juggling around between these different fields and I really decided to just go all in on ophthalmology uh, straight from the first year of medical school. Uh, I like that there's surgery, there's clinic, 
Um, patients are incredibly happy with the results. Oftentimes it's very impactful, uh, meaningful work. And even the community of ophthalmology, which I absolutely adore after four years of trying to get involved in the field, uh, it's incredibly rich community that is very small and tight knit uh, that I've enjoyed a lot. So all these different factors, uh, you know, I've kept my mind open all throughout medical school, but at the end of the day, I still really, really like this field. And I uh, decided that I'm now going to try to really pursue it. Um, and talking about those cold emails, could you share maybe uh, one of the most impactful relationships that came out of one of those like, cold emails? Yes. So part of the reason I kind of started so early in medical school, uh, trying to find these different opportunities, cold emailing people was because my school doesn't necessarily have a home program for certain fields like ophthalmology. We don't have a home department, home residency program. And that oftentimes can complicate things a little bit uh, for people trying to pursue the field because they don't have connections or resources um, right at their school for that. So I was emailing to shadow, but then I also started cold emailing for research opportunities at the same time, once I decided I liked ophthalmology in my first year. So I emailed a variety of different people. And ultimately, I was very, very fortunate uh, to be invited to a research group uh, during that first year of medical school uh, at Columbia University under the leadership of Dr. Michael Kazem. He's a world-renowned oculoplastic orbital surgeon, one of the most talented people I've ever met. Uh, and I've immediately was very drawn to this research group, all of their work, uh, the passion that they had for the field. And I've been doing research with them ever since uh, first semester, first year of medical school. And it's been really just one of the most uh, rewarding and enriching experiences I've ever had was joining this group uh, up front. And uh, kind of thinking about that journey with research from your first year of medical school till now, you know, we see that med school is typically two years of preclinical and then another two years of rotations. We're wondering how are you able to do research in each of those phases and balance alongside, uh, you know, your own medical school responsibilities? Yeah, great question. So I think something that definitely helps, um, it is challenging to try to balance everything of uh, med school, having a life, going to the gym, seeing your family, you know, trying to do research, especially if you're trying to do one of these more competitive fields that require, um, you know, doing very well, uh, doing a lot of research, uh, knowing a lot of people. These are a lot of um, kind of hard work that has to go into it. How to balance it? I think something that really helps is starting as early as you possibly can. Uh, I know that's not always the best advice if you're literally a third or fourth year about to apply, but I think that's why I really advocate for if you're a first year medical student or even a second year medical student to try to just explore fields yourself um, by shadowing or cold emailing or whatever it may be because at that point um, you will start to kind of narrow down what exactly you might really be interested in. And then you can narrow down your priorities based on that. And, you know, instead of just trying to do everything all the time, everywhere, you can really just kind of sift through opportunities a little bit to decide, um, is this really helping me get to my goals? Am I contributing with this effort? Um, is this impacting patients or 
you know, research or the field or, you know, things like that. You can kind of uh, look more strategically, I guess, at the um, things that are on your plate, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And as you were doing those shadowings and uh, patient interactions, could you share an experience that maybe solidified uh, your interest in ophthalmology? Sure. Yeah. I mean, really, even that first one was, <laughs> that was really it because seeing a cataract surgery, I think if anyone is potentially interested in ophthalmology, seeing a cataract surgery, which is really considered one of the more bread and butter procedures of ophthalmology, that in itself is very, very impactful because oftentimes, especially patients who have uh, what we what would be like a very dense cataract where they have very substantial loss of vision in one or both eyes. And then seeing their reaction after this very beautiful and intricate procedure, it's really something else to see how uh, grateful the patient is, what a substantial impact you made on their life, the quality of life they can now see, you know, it's humongous. So, you know, I mean, that's not that specific, but really just seeing one cataract surgery, I think can really uh, give you a strong idea if you like this field or not. And I guess regarding your interest uh, in ophthalmology, we saw that you write for the lens, uh, it's, which is an ophthalmology research newsletter for anyone that doesn't know. And so we were wondering how you found out about it and how you got involved. Yeah, so The Lens is a wonderful uh, ophthalmology resource. Highly uh, suggest that everyone subscribes to it. Uh, they send you a weekly, bi-weekly uh, email newsletter with kind of the updates on the latest research in the field um, in a very concise fashion, which is very nice. Um, how I found about this kind of ties back to my whole journey through ophthalmology, um, looking for different opportunities and different avenues to discover, um, you know, research opportunities, connections, resources, learning about the field, all of this kind of ties back to that. So I did email them actually uh, kind of earlier this past year, uh, just asking if they had any openings, if I could maybe get involved. And at that time they really didn't, but they were very kind and actually emailed me back months and months later that they had an opening. I'm very grateful that they found my email for months prior to email me back. Uh, and now I've been part of the lens uh, for the past couple of months. It's been a wonderful experience. Really enjoy it. I'm learning a lot too, because you have to read uh, read the latest updates in different uh, sectors of ophthalmology. I write for the cornea subsection, so I have to keep uh, up to date with the latest cornea research, which is super fun. So highly recommend uh, looking for within your own field or within your own um, interests, just something of that nature, like something like a newsletter or, um, you know, any anything like writing related uh, could really be a very enriching experience to meet other people, like other medical students, other students who have similar interests, or to just learn more about the field. So I'm sensing a common theme with cold DMing people and like cold emailing. And, you know, that's something that can be super intimidating for uh, you know, young professionals, people in their undergrad, even med school. Do you have any tips to like overcome that intimidation hurdle? Yes. Yeah. Great question. So how to like approach all of this? I have this kind of not trademarked algorithm for how to do all of this, uh, just based on my experience uh, throughout the past couple of years. So let's say you just started medical school and you want to figure out what to do. Uh, I would say as soon as you're a first year medical student, open your mind and let's try to figure out what you want to do. 
So one, you can look at your own curriculum at your school and you could, you again, like I said a little bit earlier, you could see what kind of specialties you probably won't necessarily get a lot of exposure in. And then you can also think about, even if you're just a first year and you still have a long journey to go, you can think about what, uh, what kind of aspects of a career that you are interested in. Do you like working with your hands? Do you like um, you know, do you want to primarily be in clinic? You could kind of narrow down these choices pretty early, even if you haven't gone through all of medical school, just based on your personality type, really. And then you can narrow it down to a couple specialties. Uh, and then if you're really in between a couple specialties, I would just honestly pick the more competitive one because then you would be gearing your application as competitively as possible. So in the event that you change your mind later, later down the road, at least you'll have a application that is most suitable to apply to um, with no closed doors, if that makes sense. So congratulations, now you picked something that you wanna focus on for uh, after that. And the next step is finding researcher connections or something like that, or trying to find opportunities in the field. This is like the biggest hurdle of all. And this is particularly a hurdle if you're coming from uh, a place that doesn't have a home program or residency in the field that you like. And if it's a competitive field, it's even harder. So what do you do? So first thing you could do is you could ask your school if they happen to have any alumni who are in the field of your interest. Um, even if you don't have a home program, maybe there's someone who graduated 10, 20 years ago uh, who is in ophthalmology or in the field that you're interested in. And then after that, I have this belief that there is a domino effect based on meeting one person in the field of your interest. For example, if I could meet one ophthalmologist, I decided in my first year of medical school, ophthalmologists know other ophthalmologists. Ophthalmologists know even more ophthalmologists. So it's like a domino effect. You can get connected with a lot of different people very, very fast if you just try to put yourself out there. So then how do you put yourself out there? One of course is, sorry, I went on this huge tangent, but cold emailing. So how do you set up a cold email? Well, one, if you do it as a first year medical student, I think there's a couple ways to do it more strategically. For example, of course you wanna include your CV and say that you're very interested in doing research or shadowing this individual. Um, you can also, although I didn't do this, but in retrospect, maybe I would have added this to the email. You can say how you don't have a home program in this field that you're interested in. I think that really changes the approach to an email because People in the field know what that means. It means that you are really looking for opportunities because it is truly challenging for you to find them, you know, in your vicinity. You really have to kind of put yourself out there to find opportunities. So you could add that you don't have a program. And if you're a first year medical student looking for uh, opportunities, you can also say that you were willing to commit to research or whatever it may be longitudinally. So you're just a first year, you really like ophthalmology, for example, you can do big research projects that might take a year or two because you're so early. So it really opens the door in different ways. Now, yes, it is very intimidating to send emails to people, especially uh, people of very, you know, in major titles at major institutions, so on and so forth. But to me, the perspective has always been the worst case scenario is that they don't respond or they don't say yes, they just say no, um, which is okay. I mean, I think uh, you have to 
try to put yourself out there and shoot your shot, as they say, uh, put in your best effort. And worst case scenario is people say no or don't respond. Of course, that's understandable because people are super busy, but you just try your best and hopefully it works out in that way. <laughs> huge, huge uh, explanation for your question. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it answered your question. Yeah, no, it definitely did. And I think there's a lot of good pieces that we could take from that for sure. I was curious about other than cold emails, if there was, if there were any other platforms you thought could provide any benefit like Twitter or Instagram, any ways that you use those to your benefit? 100%. Thank you for bringing that up. So social media, I think is really so much one of the most underrated and powerful tools in networking in not just medicine, but probably in any field, but especially in medicine. Uh, social media like Instagram, of course, a lot of it is for fun. Uh, we all post like pictures of their families and pets and we look at memes and we laugh and send each other jokes and stuff. But used strategically, I think that social media can be incredibly impactful um, as it was for me throughout medical school. So what does that mean? So in ophthalmology, for example, which is a very small field, there is a very rich community of ophthalmologists on social media, be it Twitter or Instagram, um, huge influx of working ophthalmologists, residents, uh, residency programs, a lot of different people, uh, research, uh, sources of research as well as conferences. I mean, there's so much content in addition to even learning about ophthalmology. There's a lot of ophthalmology, like educational pages, uh, clinical cases, pictures. So I think that if you were really interested in one field, uh, something I did that I think worked fairly well for me and that I encourage is kind of trying to enter uh, this field on social media. So yes, I didn't maybe have an ophthalmology residency right next to me, but uh, I could kind of join this ophthalmology community online through social media. How you do that is you really just follow everyone like who's on a, in a certain field. Um, I would like their stuff. I would comment on their stuff. You know, don't be afraid to reach out on people on social media. Uh, social media is a lot more informal than, say, a cold email. And people love checking their social media, too. So oftentimes you'll get a response a lot quicker. Um, you know, it's like texting somebody practically. So I think it's a very powerful tool. I mean, I've had uh, a number of opportunities in research or networking uh, through social media alone. As a matter of fact, I had lunch today with a fellow applicant that I met on social media. We're just both applicants who follow each other. Uh, now we're both in New York City uh, for this weekend and we just had lunch. So, you know, it's a great tool to meet people at all levels of training. Um, and I highly recommend trying to use that to your advantage. As a matter of fact, even this podcast, right? Like you reached out to me on social media. So it just goes to show uh, the power that is within this tool. And now moving on to like uh, leadership. One trait that I've seen through you know, your, your YouTube channel with the, the speeches that you gave is, is leadership. And I, I'd like to know more about like what experiences molded your perspective as a leader and what lessons you've learned along the way. Sure. So 
I've just always really liked, as you could see, talking to people, getting people all together, collaborating with people. I'm a huge fan. Uh, I think that's how we make progress in anything, whether it be medicine or um, just living life. That's how we make progress. That's how we grow uh, professionally and personally. Um, it's by leading kind of together and collaborating all together. So really just even at a young age and through high school, college that you, you're talking about like my graduation speeches for high school and college that I was very fortunate to give, but I've just always really liked um, trying to help people's ideas come to surface uh, through either leadership positions or being elected as some sort of you know title position, whatever it may be. So to me, it's like, it's always just been fun uh, I like to work with people. I like to talk to people. And I think that we can make things happen by getting all together uh, and just sharing ideas. Uh, considering the fact that you're in your uh, fourth year of medical school, uh, do you have any notable experiences from any recent elective rotations that you've had that you wanted to talk about? Yes, absolutely. So I'm actually currently on my away rotation at Cornell uh, for ophthalmology. Uh, it's absolutely amazing, beautiful institution, so many great minds here. Uh, I actually had a very surreal experience this past Friday. I was uh, in the operating room with an attending who I did research with as a first year medical student when he was a fellow. So to put that into a different context, imagine me as a first year medical student just trying to dabble in ophthalmology research a bit. Uh, and he was the fellow at the time. And then now I'm on the, on the kind of the other side of the medical school spectrum as a fourth year uh, applying to ophthalmology and he's the attending in the operating room. So that was incredibly surreal. Uh, I absolutely loved it. It was a real honor to be in the operating room with him. Uh, and I think that really, not to be cheesy, was a bit symbolic and metaphorical in a way, uh, indicating to me this, uh, the power of being dedicated to a particular field, uh, being dedicated to what you're doing. I mean, certainly there are many points throughout the past four years when you kind of question, am I really heading in the right direction? Am I doing the right stuff uh, to get to my goals? It's really hard to kind of check yourself and see if you're heading in a good direction. So to me, uh, in a metaphorical way, uh, going from doing research with this individual to then being in the OR with him was a very um, kind of validating feeling that maybe I really am head, heading in the right direction. And uh, it really just speaks to the testament of the community of ophthalmology, how small the field is, and the power of mentorship, uh, watching yourself grow professionally and personally, and watching your mentors grow professionally and personally. It's absolutely awesome. And I'm really enjoying it. And so do you have any tips for, um, you know, students to be like a good mentor and get the most amount of information while not being rude to the mentors? Yes. Yeah, of course. So I think I, I once watched this ophthalmology webinar that kind of uh, talked about different tiers, I guess, of mentors. For example, there are sponsors, what they would call sponsors. And these are kind of very well-connected major leaders in the field who actually help you connect 
with other mentors in a way. It's almost like a leader of the mentors, I guess. And then of course, there's like a more intimate type of mentor. And that's the type of person maybe you feel like you can reach out to uh, for residency advice or which rotation to do, kind of more of the day-to-day -day nitty gritty stuff. But certainly I think from my own experience, it's very helpful to try to ask targeted questions. You know, I mean, it's you don't necessarily want to go up to someone who's super duper busy and say, what do I do? You know, try to have uh, targeted questions about uh, what you feel might be the next step or based on your experience, if you need some advice in some different way. And a lot of this advice, actually, a lot of it is available through resources just as social media or online. People post advice all the time, all these leading figures uh, in ophthalmology and in different fields, they tell you what they would do differently in the past, what they recommend you do for residency application, what they recommend you do in medical school um, to help your application or to meet other people. So there are different sources of advice for sure, um, but I really recommend uh, trying to find uh, as many mentors, I guess. I use the term mentor very loosely. I think everyone who I've ever met in ophthalmology is in some way my mentor. Even the people I shadowed for a few days, they're already my mentor. I, you know, I accept them as a mentor because to me, they gave me an opportunity in the field that has allowed me to develop the interest. I'd, I'd love to talk about uh, some of the advice that's online, but maybe from a, from a different lens, some of the advice that you provide uh, about food. Um, and I, I was reading your, your food blog before this, and I'd love to explore how maybe writing has had an impact on, on your life and how your writing process has changed. Um, you know, you're writing for the food blog, for uh, the newsletter and research. I'd love to hear more about that. Totally. So the food blog, I really started just for fun uh, when I started college uh, in like 2015 or 2016. Uh, living in New York City, one of the best cities, I think, in the whole entire world, there's so much food here. And, you know, the food is really good looking, too, and you want to take a picture and post it. You know, everyone loves this, especially on Instagram. So I started it uh, originally under that premise, and I've just kept with it ever since. It's super fun. Uh, it's mostly photography now. Uh, I did have a period of time where I wrote more of reviews. Um, sometimes they still do kind of just like loose reviews of different places, but writing, I think has definitely been a major part of my life. Uh, I've really enjoyed writing. I hope to one day write a book or two. Uh, don't know what it's about yet. Maybe check back with me in like 10 years and then I'll let you know. But, uh, writing, I think is a very important skill. Uh, and I think it's one that has a lot of impact in medicine as well. And not only translates over in hobbies like a food blog, but into also more serious endeavors such as research. Uh, being a good writer in research, although it's a completely different form of writing, um, is really important and I think can really impact the, of course, the quality of your papers and the even like the acceptance of a paper based on the writing and how well it is, you know, articulated in that regard. Uh, so considering the amount of uh, writing that you've done, specifically in research, we were wondering how you optimize those types of papers into, you know, publishing vast volumes of work as you did. We were wondering, what was that like uh, during your time in medical, medical school? Sure. Yeah. I mean, vast volumes is like a very, very generous term. I, I wouldn't say vast volumes, but um, 
Um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely tried uh, to publish as much as I can uh, throughout my time in medical school. Benefit of starting early for sure is you have the time to try to publish and do as many research projects as possible uh, in four years, as opposed to trying to crunch it out in maybe a year or a few months. So research, I think how to be very efficient is you can kind of look at research in a few different types of tiers of projects. So one, there's like larger projects such as things that require chart review or uh, active data collection that can often take a lot more time, of course, um, to not only collect the information, but to write up the manuscript. And of course, if it's a larger type of paper, like an original investigation, you really need to have quite a substantial amount of time to review that paper uh, and have it adequately reviewed back from a journal and submitted. So that takes more time. That's something I did, for example, in more so in my first couple of years of medical school. But there are other aspects of research that could be uh, approached in maybe a smaller length of time. For example, case reports um, that can usually be addressed in a faster time frame. Uh, in addition, something I think that is oftentimes a little bit overlooked is the ability to write smaller pieces such as letters to the editor. Uh, I've published a few of them myself. I've also collaborated with like fellow classmates at my medical school or even people I met through social media on different smaller works like that. Uh, I think medical students often might have a little bit of an idea that perhaps our opinions do not hold as much weight in journals compared to, of course, uh, active clinicians. But I do think that medical students' opinions certainly do carry some weight uh, in contributing to the medical field. I mean, we are in medical school. We are experiencing what it is to be training in medicine. Uh, and certainly, I think that if you have an idea or a perspective that you feel has uh, meaning in the field, uh, could maybe contribute positively to change in the field, then I think it's really worthwhile collaborating uh, with classmates or trying to um, release a smaller piece such as that uh, yourself even. And again, it's like goes back to worst case scenario is uh, your paper or project is rejected or they say no or they don't, you know, something like that. But I think it's really worth trying uh, if that answers your question. <laughs> Definitely. And as we're beginning to wrap up, do you have any parting piece of advice, maybe a quote for younger students or you know undergrads looking to get into healthcare? Yes. I think as cheesy as it is, the number one thing you could possibly do for yourself is to believe that you actually can achieve it. For example, if you told me in the beginning of medical school that I would be in the position I am now, um, I really wouldn't believe it. I mean, I've had so many like very fortunate experiences with different people in the field. Uh, I really never anticipated upfront or couldn't have anticipated upfront. So believe in yourself and then work as hard as possible and try to stick to it too. Um, if it's working for you, just keep at it, stay dedicated to it. Um, keep showing up, you know, show up every day and just try to put your best foot forward. And then I think life has this funny way of eventually showing you that maybe you're actually heading in the right direction and things are 
might really work out for you. Um, I mean, we'll see. I haven't actually applied or matched yet. So please check back in a few months to see if all of the advice in this podcast is worthwhile. But, um, you know, certainly I think that's regardless of the outcome, you know, I like to look back on the past couple of years and kind of uh, take some joy and comfort in how hard I've tried to work and how much I've tried to dedicate uh, myself to this field and try to impact it positively. So to me, it's like, just go all in, believe in yourself, pick something, and then just go all in. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Gabby. Best of luck in the match. And this has been the MSX podcast. Thank you very, very much for having me. It's been an honor.